Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. We're talking, speaking from, actually, um, chapter 43 of our little book. This is when Jesus refuses to give a sign to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus had, a, he had problems with signs. I know you think that, uh, you know, he did a lot of them, but uh, he really had trouble with people who believe in signs. Um, one time he says, you know, Gentiles seek after a sign, trying to insult people who were asking for signs and trying to insult a Jew who uh, despised the Gentiles. He says, you know, these, uh, these um, what did he call them? The, the, the adulterous generations, the, the Gentiles, the people who you consider to be less than you, those people, they're always looking for signs. So what are you doing here? Oh, you're looking for a sign too. Uh, but he, he just didn't like the whole sign business. Um, and un- unfortunately, it's a big part of a lot of people's Christianity. They love signs. They invent them. They lie about them. Uh, they, they make them up. They, uh, you hear somebody, if you've known somebody for a really long time and they have, you know, a little less than, they're less than honest, uh, or they exaggerate a lot, or... You know, they like to embellish stories. You compare their story today with their story, you know, five years ago or 15 years ago or when you were actually there and you actually saw these things happen and uh, you hear them tell a story, you're thinking, wow, man, that has really grown into something huge. Uh, You know, God uh, did these big, wonderful things. He spoke to me and he said, and uh, which, you know, People, people do this all the time. Uh, you know, the Lord told me that, you know, they, they, they love to say that. Because why? They love signs. They like uh, miracles. They like things like that, that that justify them in the way they live, in the way they think, and what they do. And everything they do is just fine. And if they get any kind of adversity in their life, it's the devil that's doing it. And the uh, truth is, is it's probably not. It's probably because you're a liar and you don't appreciate honesty and you don't appreciate, uh, you know, you, you ter- try to turn everything into a miracle to get people to believe you or to be impressed with you uh, or to, uh, you know, quit aggravating you or quit second-guessing you. Preachers do this all the time. Uh, you know, a preacher come up with a really stupid idea and then uh, he'll say that the Lord told him to do it uh, so that you can't argue with him. What, are you going gonna to fight against God? No, preacher, I'm fighting against you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, we really need to stop a lot of this stuff. But no, the Lord didn't send a bluebird to sing on your windowsill to wake you up this morning. I know you enjoy that. Why don't you just enjoy it? Why does it have to be some commission where some bluebird is getting a, getting a, a list of demands and giving your address? Now, this bedroom window is the you know, the, the one on the far right of the house, you know, it's on, on the first floor. <laughs> what do you think is going on here? What do you think is going on here? And so you need a sign? You're pitiful. If you need a sign, you're just pitiful. People, they'll, they'll tell me, you know, that the Lord told them this or the Lord told them that. Yeah, how did he tell you? 
Well, you know, he appeared in my bedroom. Or, you know, gold letters in the sky. Or, you know, some vision or something. And I say, aren't you ashamed to say that? You know, he didn't say that if I go away, I'm going to give you visions. He didn't say if I go away that I'm going to write these things in the sky. He didn't say if I go away that I'm, I'm going to speak to you in your dreams at night. Um, he, he didn't say any of that. What did he say? I'm going to teach you from the inside. Well, what, what happened to that idea? Well, why isn't that good enough? And uh, why is it that we have to try to make things into some supernatural thing? Because we love signs. Jesus said, uh, you know, you're just following me around because you want something to eat. And they said, well, what's wrong with that? Moses fed people. And, and, and so what sign do you work? Or, no, I'm sorry. Before that, they said, well, what does God want us to do? And he says, he wants you to believe on the Son of Man. He wants you to believe on me. That's, what, that's the work God wants you to do. Okay, then, do a sign that we might believe on you. Well, let me just guess what kind of sign you might be interested in. Hmm, does it have anything to do with food? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, it does. <laughs> and they told him, well, Moses, you know, he gave them food. Why don't you, you know, go out there in your little spiritual kitchen and make up something to eat? We'd like to have something to eat. Jesus was, he despised this attitude. He just, he just made him so angry. And then in this particular one we're going to read today, he says, you know, you get signs and you don't even understand them. When you do receive a sign from me, you don't understand it. And you're always wanting signs. And, and, and we're going to read as time goes on, or as, as the show goes on, that uh, he, says, he says, you're always looking for a sign, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not giving you one. Okay, I'll give you one. And you know what we did with it? We destroyed it. Let me show you. Immediately after he had fed the 4,000, Jesus and his disciples went by boat to another part of the country. The Pharisees and Sadducees came and tempted Jesus, asking him to show a sign from heaven as evidence of his authority. First of all, let me say this. The Pharisees actually came to Jesus one time and said, Now, by whose authority do you do these things that you're doing? And Jesus says, Let me ask you a question. And you answer me, I'll answer you. Deal? Okay, fine. Now, there's many people that believe that because Jesus didn't have to answer uh, their, their question, because they couldn't answer his that Jesus was avoiding answering the question. He wasn't avoiding it at all. He wasn't tricking them. Oh, that Jesus, he's so slick. He's so coy. He tricked them. No, he didn't trick anybody. He was saying, you want to know about authority? I'll prove to you, you don't know authority when you see it. <laughs> it's true. You don't know authority. The authority of John. Tell me about the authority of John. Did God commission John to preach? And teach like he did? Or was it of, of his own volition? Was it of man? Was it of the earth? And they sat and thought about it in their, in their hypocritical way and, and using their, their doctrine of leaven, which is you got to care about what everybody thinks before you decide what you believe. They said, oh my goodness, if we say that he's of God, Jesus is going to ask us 
then why didn't you believe what he said? Well, then we'll say that he was um, commissioned by men. Huh, if we say he's commissioned by men, the people will stone us. <laughs> so they came to him and they said, we can't tell. We're going we're to talk about that story one day. But Jesus was proving to them, you don't know authority when you see it. And here he's going to show them, you don't know a sign when you see it. Therefore, you get one. You get this one wrong, it's over. Sorry. Now, you might think that his, you know, his mercy endures forever and his long-suffering, you know, and he, he cares about everybody and he's just going to stick with you until the very end, until you finally accept Jesus as your personal Savior. I don't know where you get that from because my Lord Jesus says, here's the way it is. You know, he's compassionate and he cares and he'll stick with a guy, but hey, let's just face the fact. Face the fact. It's such a thing is too late. There's such a thing as, this is all I'm doing. This is it. This is it. You either you get this or you don't. This is, this is the Lord that we serve. It doesn't sound like my Jesus because you're serving the wrong Jesus. That's why you're not serving the Jesus in this book. All right. He says, when it is, did you say amen or oh me or did you turn off the TV? All right, he says, um, when it is, um, they ask him for a sign that they might believe or understand by whose authority he does what he does. Jesus said to them, when it is evening, you say, it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the sign of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Do you see this? He's saying that there are signs in the earth that tell you exactly what's going on and you don't have sense enough to read them. Don't tell me you don't understand signs because this is exactly the way you predict the weather. The, the sky doesn't say, you know, 60% chance of rain tomorrow. Only thing it does is it just it turns red in the evening, or it's red in the morning. And if it's red in the morning, you know it's going to be foul, foul weather. And if, it's, and if it's red in the evening, you think it's going to be nice. So it doesn't say that anywhere, but you're interpreting signs. And you have the ability to do that, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. Boy, this is such a huge indictment against us. You know, let me just say here for a moment. How bad do the colleges need to be before we reach and grab these these chancellors by the pants and drag them into the street and fire them? How bad do the schools need to be before we decide to... to re-employ teachers based on character instead of their stupid pieces of paper given to them by colleges who don't give a, a wit about God or anything else. How bad do schools have to be before we duck walk the administration to the street and say you're fired? How bad do it have to be? You don't see the signs of the times? How bad do your churches have to be before you say this is enough? We're going to go back to this. 
We're going to start looking at red words. We're going to become Christians again. We're going to put Christ back into Christianity, let alone Christmas. You know, there's people that spend a whole lot of time trying to put Christ into Christmas. Man, just expend half of that energy trying to put Christ into the church. You know the building that has the door on the front that he's knocking on saying, let me in? That's the church. He's not inside, he's outside, knocking on the door trying to get in. How bad do they have to be? How many many preachers have to blow their brains out before the other preachers that are left alive in their states of depression and anxiety before they realize, oh my goodness, perhaps I have usurped an office that's not mine. Perhaps I have put myself in the place of Christ. I've been condemning the Catholic Church for 40 years for calling themselves the vicar of Christ, a man in the place of Christ on the earth. I've been condemning them for 40 years, and I find myself doing the same thing. That's why blowing your brains out looks like a good idea. That's why you know taking sleeping pills and just not waking up it seems like a good idea. Man, how bad do things have to be before you can discern the signs of the times? How, how, how often do you have to? How, how intense do you have to be? How much detail do you need about the house of cards economy in the United States to understand that we're just teetering on a precipice? We've we're, we got our arms all around our little house of cards and the wind is blowing and we're trying to keep things from... From how long? How how bad does it have to be before we understand this is the end of time? How many families have to be destroyed? How many uh, uh, families have to be split up and carried away? How many insane asylums have to be full to capacity until the point that we park a bus in front of an insane asylum and ship all of our of our ambulatory insane people? to another city in the middle of the night and dump them out over there? How many homeless people do we have to have before we understand, you know what, things are falling apart? How many times do we have to sit and watch uh, you know, crybaby politicians acting like six-year-olds before we grab them and duck-walk them to the street and start over? How long does this have to... We can't discern the signs of the times, Really? You can tell it's going to be fair weather tomorrow. You just look at the sign. Well, listen, it's not going to be fair weather tomorrow. No, it's not. You see a red sky in the morning? Sailors take warning. And if we are going to take warning, we're going to have to start doing something differently than we did before. There you go. There's some of your signs you can deal with. Before you ask the Lord for a sign from heaven, how about dealing with the signs he's already given us? You can't discern the signs of the times. Now here, here he says, I want you to know that as far as I'm concerned, it's a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. Why would he say such a thing as that? You know what? Wicked and adulterous people need signs because they have no communication with God. Now, is that, is that just a foregone conclusion to you? If it is that the wicked and the adulterous seek after signs, 
If that's a foregone conclusion to you, I don't think you understand what those words mean. Because he's not describing uh, Stalin, Hitler, and Hugh Hefner. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying wicked, adulterous. I know that's what you think he's saying, but friend, he's describing us. We're the most adulterous generation that ever was. Forget sex. Forget women and men. Forget the nakedness. Forget the junk you see on TV and the filthy movies and the pornography and all that stuff. No, no, no. That's just the tip of the iceberg. You know where the iceberg is? We have walked away from our God as His perfect and, and, and chaste virginal bride. And we are playing around with other gods constantly. I don't think God cares about Santa Claus. I don't think God cares necessarily if I keep Christmas or keep Ishtar. You pronounce it Ishtar? Oh, you pronounce it Easter. Well, he pronounces it Ishtar, the goddess of the Zidonians. I don't think he cares that we, that we just you know sneak around you know the, the motel with Ishtar once a year. I don't think he cares. You know he's he's open minded. We have an open marriage. <laughs> he he allows us to play with other gods. It's not a real problem for him. Very open minded. He loves everybody. You know what you are? You're an adulterer. You're a spiritual adulterer. You're not worthy of him to be your husband and to be your outlook. You know, last time we were talking about we need to realize that he cares about our physical needs. I think you're pretty smart in 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 deducing that he probably doesn't care whether you live or die. Like a man who has lived with a cheating wife for 30 or 40 years and will not stop. He might love her, but you know what? There is no way that that relationship is the way it needs to be. And our relationship to God is the same way. Why? Because we're an adulterous generation. There's no purity in our accepting him. Think about this for a moment. Why would the Lord say, don't take my name in vain? Have you ever think about that? Do you think that's just sticking the word damn on the end of the word God? Really? Is that what you think? You think it's the, the, just the, 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 the connotation, the, uh, the enunciation of the word Jesus Christ? How come you can say Jesus Christ and it's not cussing and say Jesus Christ and all of a sudden it's cussing? Why is that? Do you think that's taking his name in vain? Do you think that's what he's talking about there? You know what we're doing? We're straining out gnats and swallowing camels again. So, what's going on here? What is, his, what is this whole thing about taking his name in vain? You know the woman that I was just talking about that has been cheating on her husband and everybody in the town knows it and everybody knows she's a whore and everybody knows that you know he's the last to know or he's ignoring the whole situation. And Poor old Bill, you know. <laughs> He's just, it's just, he just doesn't know. He knows. He knows. You know what that woman has done? Stop her on the street. Ask her for her driver's license. Take a look. You know what you're going to find? Well, I don't know what you find today. But there was a time when a woman would take the name of her husband. And you're going to find that her last name is the same as his last name. Hmm, what's that? Well, we're married. Boy, you sure don't act like you're married. You sure don't act like you're faithful. 
You sure don't act like you love this person. You sure don't act like you're in his family. You break his heart every day, and you say you're married. You know what you've done, sister? You've taken his name in vain. And many of us who call ourselves Christians, the root, the stem of that word being Christ, we've taken his name in vain. You know, it's worse. It's, it, it's, it's just the worst kind of adultery. So a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Uh-oh, that scripture's starting to mean something differently now. Why are you looking for signs? Because you're not faithful to your husband. You're not faithful to God. It's going to have to be a sign for him to speak to you. It's going to have to be a miracle for you to understand anything because there's no relationship. You don't have confidence in his love and his care and his compassion. And you know what? You shouldn't because you're an adulterer. You can't play around with these other gods, pagan gods, pagan entities, you know, the, the, the hodgepodge that we call Christianity that's more, uh, it's more Buddhist and more Muslim than it is Christian. You know, it, we cannot do this constantly and not be an adulterous generation. Now, what about wickedness? You know what wickedness means? You know what the word means? Uh, you might think that, oh, that's describing Hitler. He was a terrible man. He killed people. He was wicked. No, you know, wicked just means, well, of course he was wicked. But I'm saying that the word wicked simply means lawlessness. You don't live under anybody's rules. You live under your own rules. Even those of you that think you keep the commandments. You're living under your own commandments. Oh, sure, yours look a whole lot like his. It looks like you're keeping his commandments, but you're keeping your own. You think you can just, uh, mix a few words here and there and keep his commandments. You know, when he says, this is what I want you to do, this is what I want you not to do, do you know what your choice is at that particular point? I mean, if you're not going to be wicked, you're going to do exactly what he says. You're not going to justify it. Well, back then it meant this, and back then it meant that, and in the Hebrew it means this, and, and play around with all these games, and, you know, they, well, do we really even know what day is Sunday and what day is Saturday, and you really want to do that? By the way, you know, if you're considering the Sabbath, we've been talking about it a lot. Jesus talks about it a lot. And um, if, if you have, if you have a, a concern about Sabbath and you want some answers in this area, as a conventional Christian, I know you have questions about it. I certainly did. And uh, I've written a, a very small little booklet. You can get it in English, Spanish, or French. And if you want it, I'll be glad to send it to you. Just write to me. Uh, Think Reading Ministries, P.O. Box 718, Pytown, New Mexico, 87827. Please do. I'll be glad to send it to you. Now, the reason I bring up Sabbath, it's the most commonly broken commandment there is. It is what makes many of us wicked when no other commandment makes us wicked. I got no trouble with the adultery thing. I got no trouble with the murder thing. I got no trouble with the thief thing. It doesn't, it, that doesn't plague me. But man, every seven days I find myself not keeping the Sabbath day. Do you? You see, if that's the case, 
you know, you know, the apostle made this very clear in, 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 in one of the epistles, saying that if you break one of these commandments, you're guilty of breaking them all. Do you realize that? You know what that makes you? Makes you wicked. Wicked. And because, you, and because of that, you don't have any confidence toward God at all and in a relationship with Him at all. Matter of fact, if I ask you if you were saved, and you say, yes, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. I'm sure for heaven as if I was already there. Okay, fine. And how do you know that? Well, the Bible says, Bible says, Bible says, Bible says, that. wow, really? So you've got a written contract somewhere? Is that what you've got? You don't have a relationship. All you know is, is the Bible says, if you confess in the mouth of the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I believe it. The Bible says, I believe it, that settles it. No, that doesn't settle it at all. Do you have a relationship with him? That's what, that's what I want to know. That's what he wants to know. You know, when the Bible talks about Adam and Eve having a child, do you know how I talked about the sexual union between Adam and Eve? Didn't say they had sex. What did it say? Adam knew his wife Eve. It's a Bible word for that which ought to be brought back, by the way. <laughs> but it's, it's very kind and a very benign word, and, and everybody knows what it means. But do you realize that when Jesus was looking at people who were wicked and adulterous and, and they called themselves Christians, oh, look at all these wonderful things we did in your name, in your name, in your name. In what name? Christ. These were Christians that were standing in line. They weren't Muslims. What do Muslims do in the name of Jesus? Anything? What, do, what does the Lions Club do in the name of Jesus? Anything? Who does things in the name of Jesus? Christians do. This is going to set wrong with a lot of people. But there was a whole line of people there that says, we've done all these wonderful things in your name. And Jesus says, don't miss this. Depart from me. I never knew you. Do you realize that the marriage was never consummated? Do you realize that he never was intimate with you? You never were intimate with them? Friend, we are. We are that wicked and adulterous generation that he is talking about right here. And no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And we have absolutely in Christianity, not in the world. Not, not, we're not opposing science here. We're not opposing the great minds of the world. We're opposing the church. They have absolutely destroyed the only sign that Jesus gave us, saying that if this comes true, you're going to know that I am who I say I am. I'm going to prove to you next time we come that Jesus is not the Messiah. That'll get you to tune in. All right, I'm going to leave you there. It's time for us to go. Till then, think red ink, my friend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.